welcome to Gutsy Matters Podcast, brought to you by storednaturally.com. I'm Wendy Allen. And I'm Helen Reynolds. Gutsy Matters Podcast is for independent thinkers who aren't afraid to stand out from the crowd. Our conversations are with people who, like us, are willing to create something they believe in, something that helps us all to live more sustainably, more consciously, and with greater connection. We're delighted you're joining us to discover, uncover, and create opportunities and perspectives about health, wealth, and sustainable living. A conversation about the huge problem of plastic overflowing in landfill, floating in the oceans, strangling marine life, and causing all sorts of trouble was the catalyst for a fantastic initiative that commenced in 2013 and has enthusiastically spread to over 1,100 communities worldwide. Jordan and Tanya, co-founders of Boomerang Bags, said the answer to these problems stared them in the face. With 1 million plastic bags being used every minute, 10.46 million tonnes of fabric waste created each year, And with the willingness and generosity of people from all fabrics of society, they decided to do something about the problem. They created a platform that supports the diversion of post-consumer material, or fabric waste in other words, into reusable bags to replace plastic bags and most importantly, start conversations. Today we are very pleased to chat with Jordan Deboer. Jordan's reverence and curiosity was inspired by a lifelong love of nature in all its forms and led her to study the natural environment. Now those experiences motivate her to support communities to create change, one reusable bag and conversation at a time. Welcome, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks very much. It's lovely to speak to you today. We'll just kick off with asking you a question about Really, what was happening in your life that inspired you to start Boomerang Bags? I was doing, at the time I was doing, working as an environmental scientist. So um, I guess it was already quite on my radar, like, you know, the environmental and sustainability issues that were occurring. And I was involved also at that time with the Surf Rider Foundation. So we were doing a lot of beach cleanups and um, trying to raise awareness about plastic pollution and the impacts it was having. and it just became quite loud for me the more I found out about how big this problem was. And it, it sort of got to a point where I was, you know, I really wanted to put a lot of energy into solution-based approaches to tackle it. So I met Tanya, who's the other co-founder, um, through a mutual friend. And the two of us got chatting about just how we could, like just ideas that we could use to encourage behavior change. Because even though beach cleanups are obviously super important, you know, they weren't really tackling the problem at the source. So we were looking at, you know, yeah, how can we tackle the problem at the source by getting people to change the way that they were using plastic to begin with. And for my journey, I guess, in particular, when I was younger, I was a checkout chick. And that was where I kind of, you know, really had my eyes open to how much plastic bags were being used because I was the one serving them out. And it was sort of like mind-blowing to me how many plastic bags were going out a day and just that there was very little awareness around the fact that once they go into the bin you know there's no they're not going anywhere they're just going into a landfill and we're using finite resources to make these products and then using them for a few minutes and throwing them away 
So we chose plastic bags to start with, I guess, as a bit of a gateway. Um, you know, we figured that if people can get their head around why plastic bags are unsustainable, then that will trickle into, you know, the other single use plastics, the bottles and straws and other things that we're using. So when we started looking into alternatives to plastic bags, we did some research and we realized that there was no manufacturers in Australia that were making reusable bags. And that's kind of where the idea developed because we were like, if we really want to be sustainable and not contribute more waste by importing, you know, new, new textile bags from overseas into Australia, the only way we could really do that is to make them ourselves. But neither Tanya or I could sew bags. So we had to call on friends to make that happen. And we started just collecting old sheets and linen and things that were no longer being used and ripping them up and making them into bags. And that's kind of how it all began. It was very organic. I remember the first little session we had of making bags and I sort of stood back and there were all these women on the floor and on the tables with their sewing machines and cutting up fabric and they were all chatting and having a really nice time, all different ages. And that's where we were kind of like, there's something in, in this model of gathering people together because the conversations that were being had were, that they were just so great. Like everyone, they were talking about plastic, obviously, and, you know, organic farming and different other sustainability issues and social issues as well and learning and sharing with each other while doing something productive and making bags. And, yeah, that's kind of how the idea came about. And we decided to call on the wider community to get involved in this process. So we took the idea into schools and libraries and different organisations were getting involved in helping us to make the bags. And then the bags themselves became a really great tool to start more conversations with the wider public again. So, you know, that, that idea of giving someone a bag in exchange for the plastic bags that they were carrying, for instance, um, and being able to have a conversation around the story and where, how the bag was made and why it's so important that they use it. And I think that's where you start to really see that, yeah, that behavior change is like, you know, planting a seed in someone's mind about the issue and giving them a tangible solution that's really simple that they can incorporate into their, into their everyday life. So <laughs> that answers your question, sorry. No, absolutely. So how does, <laughs> how does Boomerang Bags actually work? Um, it's a community model, so the Boomerang Bags mm-hmm. community model. How does it work? So people are making the bags, so do you sell yep. the bags? Do you give the bags away? How, do, how does that model work? The way that we've set it up is to be really adaptable. So we do have an online toolkit, which we've developed over the years as the project sort of scaled and we learned from other communities and incorporated all of their ideas and learnings. So now we have a really comprehensive toolkit that's a free resource for people if they want to start the project. So what does the toolkit contain? Does that give them instructions of how to make bags or how to go about it? All of the above. So it's got, you know, all the bag patterns, obviously. Um, It's got tips on how to run sewing bees. It's got template media releases, you know, how they can engage their community. It's basically a how-to guide, the step-by-step processes, all the ways that they can, yeah, engage their community in the project, promote it. It's got flyer templates. We just, we basically just wanted to make it as easy as possible because obviously when we started up, you know, we had to do all of this from scratch and it didn't make sense for others to then have to reinvent the wheel when they wanted to start the project. So like I said, it is, it is just a guide. Um, they can take the resources that are useful to them and they can extend and build on those um, and adapt it to suit their community. Because a community, a community can be anything from, you know, it might be a mother and daughter or a grandmother and daughter 
making bags at home and just making them for their family for Christmas. It could be that simple or it could be an entire village of people with schools and, you know, country women's associations and all the different groups involved in it. It's completely up to the people that want to drive it on the ground. So when you first started, you obviously had some friends making them. How did you get the message out? How did you start getting it to other communities? Because I understand that it's spread worldwide and there's something like 1,100 communities around the world and probably more that are actually making boomerang bags. Is that correct? Yeah. So like I said, it it really happened very organically when when we first started. It was just a local project. We started by just having some film screenings of um, a documentary at the time called Bagot, which was just an educational, you know, awareness about what was going on with the plastic problem. Um, and then afterwards we would have a discussion and, and call on the community for support to make the bags um, and to donate their fabrics. Um, we also, you know, worked with the local council to get the word out um, and local media and that kind of thing. People were so willing to help. That was one of the amazing things. Like, you know, we just would deliver truckloads of fabric and that, that, that really also highlighted the amount of textile waste that, that there was that we didn't actually realise was so big. Um, so it was really nice to be able to repurpose a lot of that into bags. And then I think just through the media and social media, we started getting contacted by other people in other places. So Cabarita in the northern New South Wales coastline and Avalon in Sydney were the first communities to come on board and we sort of worked really closely with them trying to support them to implement it locally in their communities and that's where the idea to, you know, we were kind of like, well, this is scalable um, and we put that tool t- toolkit together and we've been building on those resources ever since. So it kind of grew, yeah, it grew very organically from there. So once we had those two up and running, you know, obviously it started to then spread around just through word of mouth, really, people were just really keen. Like, it's such a simple concept, but I guess it's so inclusive and anyone can get involved and it's really tangible and hands-on, which is probably what makes it a success. And it's fun, you know, people getting together and having a laugh and it's light and, yeah. It's certainly more than make just making the bags, isn't it? As you say, it's the conversations that are happening and, and raising the awareness in a subtle way. While they're actually making it, they have those conversations. Absolutely, yeah, and building community, you know, like I think a lot of the demographic, I mean, it's very, it's all inclusive, but, you know, there are a lot of the demographic that are, you know, people that are retired, so that they're really looking to connect with their community and and have a sense of purpose in what they're doing and contribute, so it gives people that as well, which is really beautiful. So the idea, if if there's a community group that's that are making them, of, of which there's lots of them about around the world now, so they make the bags. Are most of them then making the bags and and going out and giving them to people, or how does that side of boomerang bag work? Yeah, like I said, it's it's totally variable. So it really depends. We in the toolkit we do give examples and you know case studies of different how different groups around the world are distributing the bags. But really all we're encouraging is to distribute them in a meaningful way that allows for a conversation to be had. So like I said, that could be anything from, you know, making the bags as Christmas presents for your family and giving them to them and sharing the story. Or, you know, we've got groups that might give them to places like food banks that are currently using plastic bags to distribute their food but now can put them in boomerang bags instead um, with little, you know, notes or flyers with the message and story and background we've got groups that do we call it bag bombing where they'll set up like a pop-up shop 
in a shopping centre and actually be there with all the volunteers. And when they see people coming out of the shops with their plastic bags, they'll 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 ask if they can swap. So they'll take the plastic bags and and get the people to sort of pledge that they'll use this boomerang bag instead, which is a really nice way to get a message across, I guess, to a demographic that may not be aware that plastic is even a problem. So yeah, anything and everything. Some um, groups do sell the bags as well for fundraising, which is a really good way to cover costs and make sure that, you know, no volunteers are out of pocket. With the COVID um, recent crisis, we had a lot of groups making bags for healthcare workers so that they could you know, put all of their uniforms straight in the bag and just wash the whole thing and it was helping with the hygiene and that kind of thing. And similarly, even with the bushfire crisis we had last year in in Australia, we had a lot of groups that were selling the bags as a fundraiser and then donating those bags to, yes, the fire service or people in need at that time. So it's it's really quite a creative project and, yeah, like I said, that the main thing is getting the message out there. The idea behind it is that people, when they make it, they then choose how they wish to distribute it. So if they're wanting to Mm -hmm. do it for a fundraiser or they're wanting to give them away, the whole concept behind it is to raise the awareness of let's get rid of plastic. There's so much plastic waste about to reduce the plastic waste behind it. So people can charge for them because I think sometimes the perception is that they're all being given away. So that's not Mm -hmm. necessarily the case, but it's it's the story behind it. It's about covering that some people for covering their cost or as a fundraiser to to do other campaigns I'm I'm imagining. Yeah, of course. Like it is a it is set up as a not for profit. So if if groups are selling the bags then obviously the bags the the funds are going either back into the project or if they have excess funds they're going towards another local cause. And that works really well. And and in in many cases and the reason why that the bags started to become sold for funds in the first place was that we were finding that people really wanted to contribute financially. If they were taking a bag, they felt like they wanted to donate, even if it's a couple of dollars, because that just felt like a nice exchange. Where did Boomerang Bag come from? Where did the actual name come from? Who, how was, what was the inspiration behind the name? <laughs> it's a really good question. We get asked this a lot. And to be completely honest, I cannot remember the moment that that, well, I, I think we were just sitting around with a few people and brainstorming different names and that popped up and it just seemed to fit I guess with the idea of you know boomerang you know like you know for instance the fabric is made into like old fabric can be turned into bags and then it comes back around and you know the bags are a shared community resource Um, and also we really like I guess in the indigenous culture that you know nothing is really owned everything is borrowed and shared so it has a few different ways that you can apply it and it just also is, you know, it's catchy and it fits and people really recognise the brand now. Yeah, it's an excellent name. I mean, it has, has so many different meanings, as you say, but all very relevant to, to what you're doing. Yeah. In terms of behavioural change you spoke about just a little while ago, how do you encourage behavioural change within individuals and community when it comes to plastic and waste, given that there is so much waste and in the world and we're throwing out so much and just just particularly when you just said that then in shopping centres that you might be giving a bag to someone who who are not in that sort of thinking at, at this point in time. So so what sorts of things do you do? Yeah, well, like I said, Boomerang Bags is a really sort of bottom-up approach. So there's a lot of organisations that are tackling and lobbying um, at a at a top-down approach, you know, looking at plastic bag bans and stuff like that, working with government, which is super important as well. 
but we're sort of trying to infiltrate the community at that yeah bottom up level just by planting seeds really like I think yeah in the instance of going into shopping centers and just having conversations with people I think that you know the difference between giving someone a flyer for instance or, or having even a sign on a wall that might have a message about plastic bags to having a face-to-face conversation and actually connecting with someone I think you're much more likely to get the message across that way as well as that you've got a really beautiful nice heartwarming story about how the bags were made and the fact that they're made by the local community and everyone involved and um, that they're contributing to a really beautiful cause as well by using it so people often you know they feel proud to use their bag then it's not just another reusable bag like there's so many so many reusable bags out there now but often they're actually not that sustainable themselves because they're made from polyethylene mm. or other forms of plastic that you know, it's all ending up in the same place. So, yeah, I guess it's just that different approach to try to, to bring awareness to the issue in a, in a kind and light sort of way and plant seeds and obviously to getting people involved in the project. So in the, sorry, in the bag making process. So, we do attract people who are maybe environmentalists that are already quite aware, but also because it's a craft project, we also attract a lot of people that don't necessarily know that much about plastic, but they want to get involved because they, they're a seamstress or they can sew bags and they want to get involved in the community project. So then we have this crossover of people involved in the bag making process that are learning from each other. And that's a really nice way to encourage that behavior change as well. It's, it's a really great way to engage a whole range of different groups, uh, as you say, mm-hmm. that um, through, through a social activity that are helping people in more ways than one. Since the COVID pandemic as well, the social aspect is so important and I think people are finding that, you know, they're really craving to have a community gathering of some sort where people can do something together and, and it's probably just as important for their mental health as well as the environmental issues that they're helping save get rid of plastic as well. So it is, it's a great, yeah, absolutely. great initiative. So how do people get involved? They're listening to this podcast and saying, well, that's a, a really great idea. What can we do? How can they get involved and what can they do and how do they start? Um, so there's a few different ways people can get involved, but it's all outlined on the website. So boomerangbags.org is our website and on there you can find a map of all the locations around the world that are making boomerang bags and contact them directly. So that's a good place to start is just to check that. So there are about at least 1,100 groups, possibly more, that likely to be one in your area that you can contact and get involved with by volunteering or donating fabric. And if there's not one in your area, then like I said, we have that toolkit. So you can sign up for the toolkit. It's all free um, and you have our support as well. And then you could you could initiate running a boomerang bag group in your local town. And I did notice on the website they can buy the little patches they can sew on the bag. So that's obviously yep. part of the whole community model is that people do sew the, the little logo of the boomerang bag onto them. So people know that it's part of the boomerang bag model. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have in the toolkit a few different options of how people can get the logo on the bag. So we do sell little labels that are just easy to sew on but people can also we can create a customized logo for them if they want to have their town name on it um, which is it's really lovely that all the communities put their town name on it because what we're seeing is like you know we kind of get to see then where the bags travel 
and people will do like swaps or they collect them and that kind of thing, which is really cool. So all of that information is in the toolkit of how you can get your logo set up, which will help you with, and then get a screen printing kit set up. And with a screen printing kit, you can print endless amount of logos depending on how big you want to scale the project up locally. So how far and wide has Boomerang Bags gone now when you say, you know, it is worldwide? Yeah. Obviously, it's quite big in Australia, but it's also in about 30 other countries, everywhere from New Zealand, Norway, Mexico. We've got Singapore, Costa Rica. Yeah, it's it's really gone far and wide. We've actually just translated the toolkit into German wow. um, because we had a big influx of people from Germany contacting us in the last six to 12 months. And so just to make it easier for them to access that information, we've, we've translated it and we'd like to look at translating it into Spanish and French and a few other languages as well just to make it more accessible. That's fantastic that it's gone yeah. so far and that you ha- are having to look at translating it into other languages. That's It's mm-hmm. such a great concept. And and why do you think it has gained such momentum in, in getting so far across so many different different countries? probably different for everyone that gets involved but I think because it is a really hands-on it's a tangible solution it's a simple concept anyone can get involved but I think really like the social aspect of it is what makes it such a success because like you said before people really want to connect and especially in a world where you know a lot of things are online I think often we we do lack that connection of just being in a room with like-minded people and being able to hang out and chat and they can do that but they can do it at the same time as, you know, actually having their hands involved in making something that feels good to be part of. And I think we have to not forget the, the reason behind the bags in the first place with, with plastic waste and also fabric waste. I was on a Zoom meeting not so long ago, actually. It was all about the circular economy and fabric and fabric waste. And it's just mind-blowing how much fabric waste and clothing is, is thrown away it's huge per person per day of what how many kilos are thrown away. It's it's mind blowing. So have you got yeah. any data on on how many how much? I guess by having boomerang bags around the world, that's actually saving in plastic bags. Yeah. So we actually um, we focus more on the. So we do try to keep a tally of the amount of bags made which does rely on communities reporting back to us with that number. So at the moment, the tally's up at about 500,000 boomerang bags that have been made, but that's only the information from half the communities, so about 500 communities, which means it's likely to be double that. And then when we look at how much that equals in kilograms of material waste, it works out to be um, close to 200,000 kilos that have been diverted from landfill based on the weight of each bag. Yeah, and it's, in terms of plastic, it's it's a difficult one to measure because it does vary country to country, but the, the latest stats that I've seen is that, you know, one reusable bag is used about, or sorry, one person uses on average 500 plastic bags a year. So if you look at it in, in the sense of like every person that is reached by boomerang bags, if they change their behaviour, then that's the amount that's being, you know, 500 per person is being saved from landfill. But like I said, it's a, it's a, that one's a tricky one to measure because it's really hard to measure the reach of how many people are being impacted by the project. And it's probably a very conservative measure, the numbers that you're quoting, because as you say, there's so many people that 
it, it, that it is reaching, the amount of, of plastic bags that it's saving is, is quite incredible, which is fantastic. Yeah. Do you think with the banning of single-use plastic bags in recent times has seen the spread of boomerang bags grow more quickly? Yeah, actually when <laughs> it was interesting before the plastic bags came the plastic bag ban came into effect, we were getting contacted a lot by people wondering whether it would have an impact on the project because maybe it wouldn't be needed anymore. And that's actually kind of what, you know, we would have hoped for. I mean, ideally projects like boomerang bags at some point you would hope would become obsolete because we don't need to be doing this anymore and raising awareness and finding alternatives. Um, but in fact, the opposite happened. <laughs> I think that what happened with the plastic bag ban, unfortunately, within Australia is, you know, they did they, they did ban lightweight plastic bags, but then what they did was they brought in heavier plastic bags that are, you know, 10 or 15 cents or something like that, uh, which is a step up. Like having a small fee on the bag does, you know, give people that moment to think whether they actually need it or not. And they were saying that these plastic bags were reusable instead of single use, which is questionable. Um, I think they, they do get reused, but probably not enough to still, you know, make it more sustainable than, say, a boomerang bag or another fabric bag. So, yeah, if anything, we actually had more communities signing up because they were frustrated at the way that the, the plastic bag ban had, had, been, had come into effect and that it wasn't actually that effective changing behaviour or providing a sustainable solution. And I think that sustainable solution is is the crux of it, isn't it? I think it, it actually made people think a bit more about plastic, whereas I don't – a lot of people would bought their groceries, put it all in bags. I mean, often the, you went to a checkout and only put three or four things in each bag and you see people with yeah. trolleys full of 50 plastic bags and no exaggeration, they did. And mm. and I think it made people think a little bit more and, you know, the bringing your reusable bags. But I just wonder with the plastic side of it because often they also have um, those – fabric type bags and they look like fabric um, that yep. you you buy from supermarkets as well um, that aren't heavy plastic but they're also plastic based they're not fabric and I think people think oh these are fabric bags so they must be good I mean in terms of um, the environment and breaking how how long things take to break down in the environment is where we really need to get people to start thinking yeah absolutely and I think that we do kind of need to hold these big companies accountable for that because there is a lot of greenwashing going on, you know, even the fact that they put the word reusable on their plastic bags or they're, they're bringing in these, the green, the typical green bags, which are made of polyethylene, which is plastic and making people feel like they're doing the right thing by purchasing these when actually it's just, you know, it's still contributing to a very wasteful industry and it's all imported from overseas, which in itself is a whole other problem. So, yeah, there's a lot to think about and, and to try to do the right thing. But starting small by, you know, using products that are locally made or even better made by, you know, made using recycled material and that kind of thing is a really good place to start. And yes, using the recycled material is a really great place to start because it's not about going and buying new fabric and, and adding to to the whole problem by, by having more more fabric and, and just still letting that off cuts of, of new fabric or it's 
clothing and and used fabrics, I guess, for want of a better word, go to landfill. It's not about getting mm. new. It's it's about recycling and 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 bringing bringing that all round in a boomerang type fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So where do you see boomerang bags in about five years' time, for instance? Where do you, where do you see it heading? It's a, it's a tricky question because if you had have asked me that five years ago, I definitely wouldn't have anticipated that it is where it is now, if that makes sense. Like I said, when we started, we really didn't anticipate that it would grow so exponentially. Um, and even now, you know, we're still – receiving it's still growing at a very steady rate we're still getting people signing up for the toolkit at you know five to ten people a day mm-hmm. um and if you know sort of 30 percent of those will actually start a community so it's growing still quite steadily which you know shows us that there is still a need for these kind of projects so yeah i don't know i mean like i said again before is that i would have thought it would become obsolete at some point but we don't seem to be quite there yet and I guess particularly in other countries we're starting to see it spread more into developing countries where obviously plastic is a pretty prolific issue there as well so yeah I don't know I think I think it will just keep steadily growing for the time being and spreading into different areas and like I said we'll translate the toolkit into more languages so that it can be more accessible and hopefully that will um, aid the growth as well but we don't have any particular sort of goal with it other than just to keep people engaged and mobilize communities and keep spreading the message I, th- I think if we yeah. all if we all spread the message about um, reducing plastic waste and waste in general um, across the world it, it can only make it a better place that's for sure and there's so many uh, items that we use every day and and well a lot of people use every day, put it that way, I guess, things like mm. toothbrushes that, you know, just mm-hmm. don't break down. All the toothbrushes you've ever owned are still around. Like they're not, yep. they haven't broken down in any shape or form. And I mean, that's a scary statistic when you think of things like toothbrushes and um, yeah, there's there's lots of very non-environmental friendly uh, items that, that people take for granted every day. And it's about raising awareness and, and getting people to think, really about what they buy and what they use. Yeah, absolutely. And even this idea of, um, you know, that plastics break down, they don't actually ever break down. They break up into smaller and smaller pieces, but those smaller pieces are then just microplastics that are floating around either in landfill or the soil or the ocean. And um, that when you think about it in that way, we're really, we're just contaminating (laughs) the planet with these plastic, tiny, tiny plastic pieces, which is quite, alarming in terms of the health of our soil and our bodies and our wildlife and and the ecosystem. And it is really scary because that plastic that breaks down into microplastics, as you say, I mean, just for the ocean, for instance, the fish, the wildlife in the ocean are are, are eating or consuming the the water and, and therefore the microplastics, which... You know, if we're then eating the fish, you have to sort of think about those sorts of things, which um, I don't think people tend to all the time. So it's about raising awareness for all of those reasons and so many more. I'm very aware of the time and I really, I know how busy you are, Jordan. So I really would like to thank you so much for coming on to the Gutsy Matters podcast today and having a chat with us. It's been really interesting and and I... um, 
we'll be certainly having a look at the toolkit as well and encouraging people in various communities to get involved with boomerang bag communities wherever they are. And yes, if everyone has a look at the website, so boomerangbags.org is the website and people can have a look at the toolkit. But we'll also put all those that information into the show notes for this uh, podcast as well. So Jordan, thank you so much for being involved and, and congratulations on such a fantastic project that started small that has grown to an enormous capacity worldwide so it's a fantastic idea thank you and thanks for having us and helping us spread the word our pleasure if you've enjoyed this conversation and know people who'd be interested in knowing more about this topic then show them you care and send them the link to this podcast Keep up with our Gutsy Matters conversations, subscribe and share with your friends. For extras, follow Stored Naturally on Facebook and Instagram. Gutsy Matters podcast is brought to you by Stored Naturally. We are the creators of the all-natural hemp fresh produce enhancer, for longer-lasting and healthier fresh food kept in the fridge, available at storednaturally.com.